Hello. Welcome to episode 15 of Just Another Football Podcast with me, Danny Miller. And me, Josh Bettley. Is my mic on? Yeah, it looks like it's working this week. Yeah, there's a little bit in the middle of last week's podcast where it went a bit funny, but apart from that... No guarantee I'm going to stay for the duration, but but there we go. You left like halfway through last week's podcast. Um, So, as we come on, it's currently half ten on Monday morning. Um, Mark Hughes, about half an hour ago, got sacked. Um, We're going to talk about this briefly and go straight on to the Man United game, why not? Um, First question for you, Josh. Mm -hmm. What was his downfall? Um, well, you have said from day one that he's a clown. <laughs> yes. Never been a fan. Um, obviously, I'm not really an expert in football management, but as I was just saying in the car, Matthew Ever, I think it's Matthew Etherington says, uh, having played under him, that the, his teams don't work on defensive shape. Yeah, and that seems like a, a, a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I would argue it's much easier to coach attack with a good defence than it is to coach a team that can't defend but can score goals. Definitely. Um, so maybe that's contributed to his downfall. Uh, you wouldn't say Southampton have played awful football. They play all right football, but maybe like maybe that's not a team that should be trying to play expansive football. I think the uh, I think it's been said a few times like the attacking players that they have are like good quality like last season he came in and he had like Buffal and Tadic and uh, like Austin and guys that can score goals and create goals whereas the back four uh, Bertrand good attacking left back Cedric good attacking right back centre backs can you say that they have a standout Premier League centre back since Van Dijk left no Um, and obviously like I feel for Southampton fans because over the past like five years or so, they've just seen their squad depleted of like good players, mainly yeah. by Liverpool. Yeah. Um, but Van Dijk, uh, Alderweireld, um, Klein, did he play for Southampton? Yeah. Klein, wow. Font, Lovren, uh, Font, Lovren. Yeah, all of these players. Sure. Yeah, and then if you move forward, Mane, uh, Lallana. Uh, like to some extent Ricky Lambert Rodriguez um, pre-injury yeah exactly so their squad's been depleted they've had like large turnovers in players and staff as well because mm-hmm. like people like Pochettino have gone on to arguably better jobs um, but for me uh, Hughes's downfall has just been the fact that he's like so stubborn he doesn't want to change the way that he plays even though he's getting dicked every week he doesn't want to like set up a little bit more defensively like put five at the back for one you know I'm not like a big advocate of five at the back but if you're losing game after game then surely something has to change and one of those things stop having friends Josh surely one of those things has to be like the system that you're using and he was just he just didn't want to do it also why is Shane Long still even anywhere near the Southampton team hasn't he not scored for like 50 games yeah I think he scored like three goals in 70 appearances or something like that I think as well when you're a team that's in like the bottom six consistently you've got to win ugly and I can't associate a Mark Hughes team with ever really winning ugly nah nah definitely not so who do we think's going in next for me that's like an Allardyce job but I well he's 6-1 he's second favourite behind uh 
Kike Sanchez Flores, who okay. is a Watford manager. He's six to four. Um, other names that I've seen are like Louis Van Hal, uh, David Moyes. I think is fourth on the list, oh. seven to one. Dear, don't get David Moyes. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I will assume that they'll revert to the old guard. Yeah, if they want to stay up, then Allardyce is probably the short-term option. That's a that's a fair point. Um, let's cr- let's crack on with the game then. It's not like they're they're bottom and adrift. No, like that. There's a lot of teams sort of in the mix. Yeah, I think he won three games for Southampton, which yeah. is not good at all. No, one of them could have been on Saturday. Um, Romelu Lukaku's strike versus Southampton ended a run of twelve games and nine hundred and eighty-one minutes without a goal for Man United. Yeah, in all three months. I know, yeah, huge. Um, It's start with Man United before we move on against Southampton. But um, Fellaini started uh, in like an attacking midfield role. Mm -hmm. For me, you know, I I like Fellaini as a option, but it's quite sad that Man United have had to start him as an attacking option, basically, like because they're going to lump the ball up. Yeah, it was interesting to see how they. I'm kind of glad for Mourinho that um, this started with two up top and a player in behind. I think that is a really good system for them. And like mm-hmm. Lukaku, I think that player in behind either needs to be Pogba on a free roll or someone like Juan Mata. Mm-hmm. Um, but that system works because that means that Rashford and Lukaku can get forward. But for the first twenty minutes, they were they were shocking. Well, they started with two midfielders in a back three because they've got a centre back injury problem Yeah. although apparently Rojo was only fit enough for the bench but I would argue if you've got one fit centre half and he's fit enough for the bench and you're playing McTominay and Matic and this is McTominay who we've already decided can't play in defence yeah he, uh, I think he moved further forward yeah. later on in the game and he played fairly well yeah he's a, he's a good midfielder isn't he he's got potential um, yeah and also Lukaku, Rashford and Shaw all limped off and Ashley Young suspended for Wednesday so yeah it's going to be an interesting week for Man United I think Um, it's been an interesting season for them because if they they lose on Wednesday and the two teams below them win they're dropped to ninth that's huge that's huge Southampton had a great start Uh, great finish by Armstrong Mm -hmm. for the first goal he's got an eye for gold hasn't he yeah, I think he scored with his last three shots on last four shots on target, three shots on target, something like that. There's someone who's um, done it with a lot more than that. I'll save that for later. Yeah, um, even better one by Cedric. Bearing in mind the wall that he had to get that over, and the, probably the world's best goalkeeper. I mean, I think Matic, Pogba, Lukaku were all in the wall, all six foot plus. Was his first Premier League goal on his 100th appearance? How apt! How yeah. apt! Um, but for me, slow start by Man United. That's mm-hmm. that's obvious. But um, once uh, Marcus Rashford picked up, he changed the game. Uh, Mourinho was quite complimentary about him after the game. He said cause they were asking him about his injury, and he said, "Oh, with other players, they'd be out for two weeks, but not Marcus. He'll he'll come back. He'll mm-hmm. he'll run around like a mad dog." <laughs> for 75 minutes well he minutes. made a lot of dog references because he said that they didn't have any mad dogs in the midfield to get the ball which I think is fair bearing in mind two of them are playing in the back four um, yeah 
Odd. But uh, there we go. But th- that for me proves why Rashford should be playing up top. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting because people will say, oh, Rashford, he got two assists, he didn't score, whatever. But how far into the pitch was he? And like, you can't pick the ball up in those positions where he ran at the defence unless you're playing. Yeah. Either in an attacking midfield position or up top. And I think once he sort of had readjusted himself to playing there, I think he was uh, he was quality. You get Especially the, at the end of the first half. You get all the headlines by scoring the goals some most of the time, don't you? Yeah. And actually sometimes you could have literally just tapped the ball in after everyone else has done loads yeah. of hard work. So I thought Lukaku's difficult. finish was decent. I thought Lukaku's yeah. finish was decent. Um so Southampton uh go up against Spurs. I think it's tomorrow night. Yeah, Tuesday. that's they're going to lose. They're going to lose? Yeah, they're going to lose. They've won once in their last 15 games. So, so give me a, give me a score lose. prediction. Give you a score prediction. I'm going to go 2-0 Spurs. Okay. 2-0 um, Spurs. I've got a I've got a nice stat for you about Southampton. Go on. They're top of a uh, a league of this particular stat, but they've squandered twelve points from winning positions this season. Wow. Well, that again is a managerial thing of like, if you can't motivate your players or keep concentration in your players, then there's going to be who do they have that sits in front of the back four? I don't think they do. They oh, don't. It's, it's it's a mix between like Davis and uh, yeah, but he's not really a sitting the so, player. Yeah. I think. Like a lot of positions that they have are very beige. Yeah. Um, like the players are beige. Is I've said before, his inability to play Ward Prowse is probably one of the most, for me, and one of the most exciting midfield prospects. He's a little bit older now, but he he can change the game from a set piece or can mm-hmm. change the game from like just one pass. And if you have those players in your team. With a Charlie Austin up front, or with a—I mean, Gabby Dini's scoring record is shocking. Like, he, but he set the Premier League alight when he came in. Yeah. So there's obviously potential there. He's got an eye for goal. Um, but once one of those two starts firing, I think Southampton will be fine. But they mm-hmm. need to find like that player in the middle. They—they'll have to go shopping in January, basically. Um, okay. Kante on loan. Kante on loan. Just so he can play in the position he wants to. Yeah. Well. Um, football started on Friday night with uh, Cardiff versus Wolves Cardiff won 2-1 Wolves were unbeaten in their last 44 league games in which they've gone in front uh, One thirty-nine drawn 5 since a 2-1 defeat at Burton Albion in the championship in February 2017 um, goal of the month by Junior Hoylet one goal of the month last night on match of the day did you see it? I have uh, <clears throat> yes I've seen the goal yeah. what a finish great finish it's got a bit like Rui Patricio is probably in the top 10 keepers in the world in uh, the world yeah I'd say so in terms of consistency oh yeah probably um, and longevity I mean he's he's probably on his downward curve yeah yeah what with Fa- Messi yeah my favourite <laughs> phrase yeah yeah hand in hand they're going yeah. they're going at the same same rate uh, I mean to beat any goalkeeper from there it's got to be something special yeah. Um, what a finish! I mean, you'd probably try that a hundred times and get it once out of a hundred. But the uh, the fact it went in off the bar as well just makes it look even more epic. Uh, um, yes. Did you know? Uh, on while I've got that sort of stat in my mind, it's um, Cardiff have won the most points from losing positions. Yeah. 
joint that high with Arsenal. Me. And that uh, goes on to my next point there. Obviously, Cardiff and, and more specifically Neil Warnock are probably not as shit as we first thought. No, but they league. are very limited. From yes. like reading them, like a line in the match report was like, Cardiff bombarded the Wolves' goal with uh, endless set pieces. Yeah, it wasn't like. Well, that game they, is based on. Well, I, I said it last week um, when they were complaining about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they need set pieces to win games because otherwise they're not going to score many goals from open play. It's been proven this season already. I don't think they've scored many from open play at but all. I think they've adapted into that because I don't. That, I wouldn't say that's how they were playing at the start of the season. No, he's probably realised quickly that. It probably wasn't Neil Warnock that realised no, that. Was it? Someone's not. just tapped him and gone Neil. Um, they pressed really high, which is similar to how Huddersfield played against Wolves, and they managed to cope with like their pacey wingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they played like fairly well, to be honest. Um, they were unlucky to go down to the f- first goal, but that really spurred them on, and and they played a lot better after that. You know, Doherty um, is the third highest defender. Um, in terms of defenders who've been involved in goals this season, he's number three on the list. Really? Yeah. Behind Holobas and Mendy. Well, there's been call um, shouts for England call-ups. Is he definitely English? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Even though he's got an Irish name. Matt Arkady. Yeah, I'm sure he's English. Is he he's the left-back, isn't he? Or the right-back? Yeah, yeah. R- right-back. I mean, if there's one position we don't need a player in... Probably right back. Yeah, probably. Um, so what is wrong with, uh, unquote, the best side to be promoted in the Premier League era? Um, they're not used to losing under this manager. It's the f- I think it's the first time they've been on a losing run while he's been in charge. Yeah. I don't think... I think they're going to be fine. He's, he said in his interview last night, oh, it's... Um, well, not last night, on Friday. 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 <laughs> uh, he said... In the Premier League, if you get onto a run of losses, it's a bit of a slippery slope. But all they need is that one result to turn it round, and that they're good enough to get that. Yeah, I think they're I think they're definitely good enough to get a result. What I worry about is uh, their inability. Firstly, their inability to convert ch- chances. Um, but the other one is that this manager has put together this core Portuguese team Mm -hmm. right uh, with a lack of English Premier League experience Mm -hmm. and uh, I think like you said oh you can get on a slippery slope like these players are used to winning they either came in last season and won pretty much every game in the championship or they've been playing for like Ruben Neves been playing for the likes of um, Porto or I think Jimenez came from like Benfica or something they're going to be winning like almost every week how do they it's their mentality now that mm-hmm. needs to get them to push on I think the thing they'll stay up I think we've said this before I think they'll stay up um, but I'd be if I was uh, the manager I'd be uh, I'd be disappointed with how yeah I've, how my team play. but it's it's now time for him to change the system or mm-hmm. change something because it's just not working in mm-hmm. this league it's just not working um, yes cool so 3 o'clock kickoff first one on Saturday, uh, we're going to talk about is Man City versus Bournemouth. Yeah, uh, finished three-one to Man City. Uh, they've won all seven games against Bournemouth, scoring twenty-four goals and only conceding three. Yeah, decent. Uh, I mean, better, much better than decent. Incredible. Yeah. After a funny start to the season, uh, Sane is 
hitting form. He something like since the start of last season, he has um, got the most assists out of anybody. He's got twenty assists. Twenty assists. Yes. He's uh, the question I want to ask because there was no Aguero or Silva or De Bruyne uh, in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Can uh, Man City now? sort of rely on Sterling and Sane to be those like world class game changers well I had a question for you as well on a on a similar vein you keep looking yeah. at the laptop you're worried I'm worried yeah why because I'm always worried that it's just not going to work <laughs> looks like it is <laughs> looks like it is yeah go on um, so just on a little tangent about Sterling he scored 10 in 7 games against yeah. Bournemouth it's like the first time someone's ever scored in their first 6 appearances against one club Wow! in the Premier League um, and uh, he's also the second he's got the second highest goal involvement since August 2017 last year Doesn't 26 goals and 17 assists he's a he's a talent Jermaine Genus was uh, has said that at the moment he's probably the best player in the Premier League on form at the moment. Aye, but was he saying this two weeks ago when Eden Hazard was scoring tappings? I know don't know. I mean? Ch- like, changes with the wind. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so I take everything Gina says with a pinch of salt anyway. He's a tool. But um, I definitely think he is uh, one, I would say, one of the best players in the world at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, People will probably come at me, Liverpool fans, standard, uh, will probably come at me and tell me that why I'm wrong. But you can't tell me that he, like I said, those players didn't start, no Guerrero, no De Bruyne, no David Silva, right? And Sterling stood up mm-hmm. and uh, and was quality on Saturday. When they were, I mean, they had an indifferent first half, They obviously they got the first goal and then Bournemouth pegged them back. Thought Callum Wilson was great again. Yeah. Um, but Sterling was the one that was like took the bull by the horns, really, mm-hmm. and like drove them forward. And Sane was the same. But I think Sterling, there was parts where he just dribbled through everyone. And I think there was one particular moment I remember him dribbling through everyone. And then, like, he didn't get the shot away, but Bournemouth's defence were like, what? What has just happened? And yeah. Sterling just like, literally, the ball was stuck to his feet. Like, I'm going to say something like quite controversial now. I haven't seen ball control from a player like like an English player like that for years. He's always had I, that raw ability. I don't think I've seen a player be able to dribble a ball like that apart from Messi. Oh. At that speed at as that well. At that speed. Yeah. The ball was like... I remember watching Messi in like the Champions League final where the, the year that they won the treble and... He ran through, there was one particular moment where he ran through everyone and it was like the ball was like Velcroed to his foot mm-hmm. and he just ran through everyone. And I was like, wow, you'll never see anything like that again. And to be fair, like every time I watch Sterling, he's not as consistent, but he has like that same like dribbling ability. Yeah, I think it was Stephen Warnock last night on Football Daily saying something that he's noticed since he's been working under Pep is he... He gets into these positions mega quick, but before maybe when he was at Liverpool at the start of his City career, he'd like still try and like he'd try and get the cross in at 100 miles an yeah. hour as well. But now he's like he's slowing down, getting his head up, picking the pass, and yeah, bang. he's he's really good at like floating 
the ball in now whereas like you say before he would just try and drill it in all the time mm-hmm. or, and it wouldn't work and I think another thing there's that clip from the summer that Pep came in where he's like changing his body position and stuff like yeah 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 he is I think we've spoken about this before like his application on what he does on the training pitch into a game is phenomenal like he's learned over the last two years he's probably the most improved player in the league yeah um I don't think anyone like his change of form you can see from the season that he started with Man City where he, I think he, he scored like three or four goals something like that until last season where he scored 70 I think he scored like 17 last season something yeah. like that um, and now he's already on he's already on eight or nine for this season at least plus assists so he's a really 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 good player um, Bournemouth frustrated City though um, in the first half Great tactics from Howe, but they're on a four-game losing streak after a bright yeah, start. Yeah, taking the gloss off of their start, really. But, I mean, if you look at the teams that they've played, they've played Arsenal and Chelsea in those four games. Um, again, nothing to worry about happens. Yeah, Arsenal, it? Chelsea, Man City and uh, and another amazing team. Oh, yeah, it was Newcastle. <laughs> um, <laughs> Best of the bunch. Yeah, there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you think where do Bournemouth need to strengthen in January is this like is it a major thing that they go out and get someone or um, just maybe a couple of players just to add a bit of competition a bit of squad depth yeah. I don't know if Callum Wilson got injured who played I mean they've got Defoe but could he do it week in week out anymore yeah fitness that's wise that's true it's interesting it's interesting I like Eddie Howe. I've, I think he'll be the next manager in Arsenal, personally. I imagine they're on a very tight budget in terms of transfers and oh, things. So. Well, you say that. They, they paid £25 million for Nathan Ake last season. That great English prospect. Yeah, that great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's him. That's the one. They bought him to fill up the homegrown <laughs> talent and yeah. then realised, oh, crap, he's <laughs> yeah. Dutch. Imagine. Eddie Howe thought he was English as well. Yeah. Um, but they they paid money for like Jefferson Lerma and uh, there's a winger that they brought in. I can't pronounce his name or remember it. Um, he was like 15, 20 million as well. So they are, they are spending some I can't believe his money. own goal wasn't in the goal of the month competition. Yeah. <laughs> it should have been. I would have voted for that. Yeah, it was absolutely screamer. <laughs> um Next game, Leicester versus Watford. Uh, mm-hmm. Finished 2 0 to Leicester. Zero to hero um, for James Madison. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, the Watford supporters. They put a banner up for the uh, for the Leicester son of the Leicester chairman and it, mm-hmm. or the chair, Leicester chairman, and they were like, uh, "You've uh, you made us believe as well." And so mm-hmm. the le- the son of the chairman was there, and he bought everyone a beer and uh, some food at half time. Should have been at the game. Yeah, should have gone. Should have got a free beer and some free food. Um, which I just think is like so typical of. How does that work? Is he just time. stood there with his like card? Yeah, what? Just contact <laughs> And then all of a sudden it goes, you have maxed out your yeah, contactless yeah. payments. Yeah. So he just, just pulls goes, another card yeah. out. Yeah. Or uh, he's just like taken a briefcase yeah. and just handed it full of cash. You just imagine clipping, unclipping it and going, the, the doll was inside. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> I don't think he sounds like that, but no. I don't want to be done for racial slurs. So. Yeah. Um, since the start of 2014-15 season, uh, Jamie Vardy has won more penalties in the Premier League than any other player. He How does many? go down like How many penalties quite do you think easily. He's um, in three, three in seasons? three seasons, 20. No, not quite that many. 14. Okay. Uh, still impressive though. He does... 
This is not a criticism when Ollie's inevitably listening to this. This is not a criticism. But I have noticed that Vardy does this thing. When he's running with the ball and he gets between the ball and the defender, he like arcs his body in towards the defender. Yeah. Might be clever because he's running at such speed. It probably doesn't look like he's doing it. Yeah. But he like he ensures contact. Yeah. Which is clever. Yeah, it's very clever. Yeah, clever. But is it sportsmanlike? No, but you know, it's Jamie Vardy, isn't it? So. <laughs> um, James Madison back with a bang, got sent off last week. Was there a game um, in midweek that he was. Southampton in the yeah. League Cup. Ah, yeah. okay. So he came back, scored, um, played very well as, as well. I was trying to find a footage of his goal last night, but I couldn't find any. Because it was a decent finish. Yeah, decent it's finish. Compared to Glenn Hoddle by Puel after the game. Really? Yeah. Said he's got the same. Could say something horrible right now, but uh, well, <laughs> yeah, bed bound. Yeah, uh, no, he's <laughs> um, got, the, got the same, same, same natural ability. He's a he's a really really good player, and he's still young, and he's only going to progress, and he's going to progress at progress at a club like Leicester as well, yeah. which I think is important. Uh, but Watford uh, are missing chances. Uh, similar, it was reminded me of the Newcastle game a lot. Uh, in their last six games, Watford have managed 62 goal attempts and just 17 shots on target. Mm-hmm. In both stats, they sit near the bottom of the league. It says, I've written here, Watford dominate possession but fail to fire. 62% possession away yeah. from home, I think. Yeah. Um, but this is where I think they need to improve in uh, in January is I think Isaac's success was offered a new deal this week. Is he Premier League quality? You would probably argue no. He's got like one or two goals in the last couple mm-hmm. of seasons. Troy Deeney getting on a bit. These are the games that they have to be winning to push for those European places. These are the teams that are going to be around them are arguably going to be Man United, no, uh, arguably going to be uh, Everton, uh, Leicester. Probably this season, Man United. Do you think like, someone like a Ben Teke would be better at a team that plays? I don't think they play foot. I don't think they. Well, they play football, but I don't think Ben Teke is better in a team that plays football. Yeah, that's true. He has to be the main focal point. Yeah, and that's what he was at Villa, mm-hmm. and that's why he scored so many goals. And when he went to Liverpool, he didn't because he wasn't the main man, and he never was going to be there. He is similar. Liverpool have never done well with a big number nine. You're talking about like Andy Carroll and Ben Teke in the recent era. That's why they just haven't done it in recent seasons because it never works. Um, but Ben Teke, if 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 Watford were to say, okay, we're gonna uh, we're gonna base our whole team around playing up to Ben Teke, then I w- I would say then yeah, he probably will be a success, but. I would say that for any team mm-hmm. that Ben Teke is playing for he can't finish sometimes not at the moment not at the moment um, but again I don't think he's playing in a team where he necessarily is like uh, I don't think they have much faith in him no but also their main man is Zaha yes so but yeah um, do you think after a bright start again Watford have done a similar thing to Bournemouth uh Obviously, I tipped them to go down, okay, which in hindsight is a mistake, but I still don't think they'll be far away because I still think mm-hmm. they're not as good as people are saying they are. Yeah. Um, 
similar to West Ham last season I tipped West Ham to go down last season I was not far away with that um, they do you think that if they invest in a striker in January they can push for that top 10 yeah I think the thing with um, teams like Watford teams like Bournemouth is that they're capable of going on like winning winning streaks, but then they don't quite have the squad depth to maintain that over a longer period of time. Well, we're into a period now where we're pretty much playing. I think it's uh, it's going to be Saturday, Wednesday, for uh, apart from next week, which is Champions League week. But then it's like a game every few days. It's going to tell us a lot about those yeah. squads, and uh, it's going to tell us a lot. It's going to tell us a lot about Leicester as well. Um, but I think they have a better overall squad than Watford mm-hmm. do, and so they'll stay up in that. It's interesting, though. I'm looking forward to like the Christmas break to see how these teams do. Thick and fast. Uh, Watford play Manchester City in midweek. They're going to lose. Score? Who's at home? Watford. 3-0. I'm going to go 2-0 City. All right, next Kapu-A up. Kapuay Red. By the way, I've written here two-footed, so yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Apparently they're going a, to appeal red that day. red card. Yeah, didn't even think about bringing it up because it was obvious. He's uh, Kapuwe. He's been sent off a couple of times this season. He should have been sent off in the first game as well. Or maybe that's what I'm thinking of. He's raked his studs down the back of uh, Zaha. Zaha, yeah, he should have gone. Uh, a bit like silly, that lad did to boy. me last week on the footy pitch. Yeah, dirty bastard. <laughs> Dutty. Um, all right, next up. As we've just been talking about Benteke, Crystal Palace versus Burnley. Mm-hmm. Finished 2-0 to uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, Andros Townsend scored and assisted in the same Premier League game for only the fourth time and sit uh, and for the first time since December 2017 when he s- scored and assisted against Arsenal. Um, at Palace's first goal from open play this season, not uh, Townsend's, the other one, but more... It was by mistake, wasn't it? Everybody missed it. Yeah, more defensive wars for Burnley. No win in seven and two wins in their last nineteen Premier League games. When does uh, when does Deitch become under pressure? Um, I think give him the Christmas period. I don't. I don't think the owners will be too worried. You know, got Tarkovsky coming back. Hopefully, he can be a bit better than he was before he got injured. I think um, they went down with Deitch before. So the yeah. likelihood of him being sacked is very slim, mm-hmm. but uh, there will be pressure on him soon. I think players get bored of hearing the same voice, don't they? And he's been there for quite a while. Not bored. Sometimes the messages don't quite hit home as much as they do when you're newer to a club. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, Wasteful <clears throat> Palace again. Twenty nine shots. Burnley had four. It's uh I find I tell you what Max Mayer had a great game mm-hmm. calling for him to come in the starting lineup. Um it's interesting because uh Palace are one of those teams that they've got some incredible incredible individual talent. Uh what are your thoughts on Roy Hodgson? Great coach, limited, doesn't inspire people. Yeah. And that's why I don't think they'll ever not be in that relegation lower mid table and below do you know what I like about Palace is uh, even though I think he's a knob the chairman 
uh, I can't remember his Steve name Steve Parrish Steve Parrish is he ex-chairman maybe I think he's the owner yeah maybe you're right there anyway Steve Parrish is a knob but what I think it they do well at Crystal Palace is obviously they invest and they have a good like basis for someone to go in there and to set up like a really good team yeah they need the right manager mm-hmm. and I don't think they've had the right well they had I think Allardyce was a good manager for them uh, and then he left but I don't think I can't think of anyone you might be able to tell tell me better but I can't think of anyone that could go into Crystal Palace at this moment in time and like do any better t- turn, the, turn the tide really I know well, they won at the weekend but no manager can help with scoring goals on the pitch can they if you create if you're having 29 shots and scoring two that's um, true yeah no one actually jumps out because you need someone that's like a gritty manager and doesn't play like open flowing football but then who's gonna yeah I can't think of anybody no it's uh, other than uh, as you said I don't think I don't think I think Hodgson will see out the year but I don't think he'll be here next season oh controversial (laughs) we'll see we'll see where they finish Uh, okay next up uh, I don't really want to talk about this game but Newcastle versus West Ham finished uh, 3-0 to West Ham I want to. The first thing I want to talk about before I give you a little question is uh, the eleven-minute walk-in. It was the first, um, well, the first real like in-game protest that the Magpie Group have have put together. I think we talked about protests when Johnny was on the podcast, and don't necessarily agree with them. What's the point? Um, it didn't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. From from hearing what was what was going on at the ground, there was only about two thousand people that walked in, maximum two thousand people that walked in. Mm-hmm. However, West Ham scored in eleven minutes. I don't think that was anything to do with the fact that people walked in in the eleventh minute. Okay, but the the thing I worry about, the first thing is that the fans at the moment are very divided. That's mm-hmm. proven by the fact that some people walked in and some people were in the chair were in the seats at the start. The other one is that, from what I hear, uh, it didn't happen in all parts of the ground and it was limited cases, but there was a lot of, uh, let's say, harsh words to people either that walked in late or people that walked in late and were having a go at the people that were in their seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a problem. But also, I think that fed into the game. When Ayose Perez was subbed off, uh, there were, there were I would say, audible audible discontent with it with the Newcastle fans at his performance and he got booed off the pitch um, which I think is a disgrace um, get behind the fucking team you sat in the stadium yeah get if you're right if you're in the pub right and you boo a player off or you're in the pub and you're slagging someone off a player off then that's your own prerogative but you're in the ground right go and support the team they can hear pretty much everything that you say they're not Deaf, they're not. Well, they are. Some of them are stupid, but they're not like they're gonna hear what people are saying. And Perez is. It's gonna. Perez is gonna play in the next few games, whether we like it or not. I don't think he was particularly bad the other day. I think he's a scapegoat with Diame as well. 
Um, I think he's a scapegoat for when we play badly, Perez gets the blame. But I, I think that he missed like three half chances in the first half. Maybe one of them he should have put away. But I think it was harsh to, to boo him. He's not a player that doesn't try hard. He always tries hard. It's just... Yeah, exactly. And, and is like, he, the is irony he being quality, that yeah. we, we have the, the war flags or Gallagher flags or whatever it is now. And uh, they have the banner, which is like, uh, all we want... we. All we want is a team that tries or something like that. Well, obviously mm-hmm. not. I'm I'm not saying this is all fans. This is like a, a minority of fans, but there is a huge divide within the fan base at the moment. When we when we're not playing so well, obviously it's sort of like over the last couple of weeks, it's sort of we haven't spoken about it because we've been winning. Um, but bubbling underneath the surface, there's always going to be there's always going to be problems in the fan base mm-hmm. until the ownership changes um, but to the game uh, all 47 of Javier uh, Javier Hernandez's oh, Premier League goals I've got 48 written here oh really yeah have come in from inside the box with maybe only, that was his 48th well he's got two so maybe we're maybe we're Both, just yeah maybe it is 48 and this was a stat posted after the first goal maybe uh, only one person has a better record from inside the box. Tim Cahill, I've yeah. got it written here. Damn, we have the same stats. <laughs> Damn. Um, talk to me about West Ham. Inconsistent. Yep. But I think Newcastle caught them on a good day. Yeah, I think I thought the what was telling was the forward quality yeah I've written here possessed. that offensive signings make the difference that could be taken the wrong way <laughs> they're offensive signings Arnautovic was quiet but I thought Felipe Anderson and Javier Hernandez were brilliant yeah uh, um, Anderson now has four in his last four games compared to one in his first ten so you might say he's a little more settled yeah than when he first arrived um, yeah I think Rafa was what he said after the game was spot on really um, you just West Ham have the ability to play teams off the park if it all clicks but then as we've seen when it doesn't click they have the ability to be awful as well yeah exactly um, I would say similar to Newcastle in that sense uh, I would say question for you rather than for me worst performance of the Benitez era no okay I would say it's up there okay. in terms of I mean, I wasted an hour and a half of my life watching that game the other it's day. It's difficult, isn't it? Because you'd never say under Benitez that Newcastle have never not tried. No. You, I think you, we you were just go. lacking everything. Yeah. And also, there's only there's a finite amount of players in that squad that Benitez seems to trust. Yeah, so definitely. So, might be a bit of fatigue creeping in and... Yeah, I think the tricky. Mid- the thing I've written here is like the midfield battle was was key in that game, um, and also the fact that obviously you talked about offensive players. Noble was able to just put some balls in some areas and rely mm-hmm. that rely on Anderson uh, or Hernandez or Anatovic to be clever enough to get the ball, and mm-hmm. a lot of the time they did. Um, whereas if we're pinging the ball up to probably well you would say worse players like not as technically gifted or tactically aware players then it's not going to happen um, and I thought 
uh, obviously Diame got a bit scapegoated some of the criticisms unwarranted but I don't think he had his best game on Saturday and uh, I think he's he's interesting I heard someone say he was bought as a number 10 in the second tier of English football and he's had lots of good games in the centre of midfield over the past two seasons so I don't think he can come in for much criticism um, but I think he, he just had a bit of an off day on Saturday personally um, I think Benitez got it wrong tactically as well Clark was out and Manquillo came in uh, Manquillo put a good cross in in the first half uh, someone a little bit stronger than Richie might have got there mm-hmm. um, but it's interesting um, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that we've had that result brings us back down to earth but uh, at the same time it was just uh, no one was really no one's heart was really in it yeah, I, I yeah. didn't feel um, West Ham play Cardiff this week could be an interesting game yeah. at home at the London Stadium just about cool West Ham I think I'm going to go for a West Ham win just because Cardiff away from home I don't think have been mm-hmm. hitting uh, the heights that they have at home I'm going to go for 1-0 midweek 1-0 um, we'll get on to Newcastle's game later uh, next up Huddersfield versus Brighton finished 2-1 to Brighton uh, Zanka's strike for Huddersfield is the fastest goal in the Premier League this season 55 seconds was it not Jorgensen that scored I don't know that's what BBC said yeah I think so um, unless they've got that wrong maybe bloody Opta Joe telling me wrong stats yeah Relying on different sources. Yeah. Uh, it was a really good start for Huddersfield. Yes. But um, the Mounier red, was it a I red just, card? He, he gave the ref no option. Yeah. I, I completely agree. He gave the ref can't no option. Like he can't it go in can't like that. can't go in like that. Maybe, maybe the actual tackle itself didn't warrant a red card. There was one angle where it was like, yeah, that's a red card. Because mm-hmm. only like part of his foot has caught him, but he's caught him up here. Yeah, it's... Uh, when Josh says up here, he means on yeah, the shin. On the uh, shin. <laughs> uh, it just, changed the game. Yeah, for me, it was. It was just. Uh, he just had a brain fart, didn't he? Yeah. He's not thought that through. Murray. Well, uh, he. It's funny because he hasn't scored for ages, so he's sort of like uh, trying to make up for it on the other in other areas mm-hmm. of the pitch, and I think that he's just got that totally wrong. Um, Murray didn't start. Didn't play at all. I don't think. Didn't come on. Centre back seem to be pulling him out of trouble when he's not there. Are Brighton as good as people are saying they are? Uh, I think Chris Hutton's a very underrated manager. Oh, I I'm agree. A big fan. I think uh, Brighton's centre backs have some serious goal threat. We've seen yeah. Duffy and Dunk have now. I think scored again. I think we said it on previous podcasts. They when the ball's pumped into the box defensively and attacking, which they can control the way they attack. So mm-hmm. if the ball's pumped into the box, fine. If teams are passing it around them, they're, they're not going to play well. I think they've played City this season already and got thumped. Um, I think if teams, if they, once they play, if they, when they play Man United, they are going to find that an easy game, I would say. Because in terms of, uh, in terms of them lumping the ball into the box, they're going to try and do it every time. Mm-hmm. Whereas for a team like Man City, they're just going to pass it around them and on the ball I don't think Duffy or Dunk are, are good enough um, but I don't think Brighton are as good as everyone's saying they are they're still well they're in the bottom half I think still but um, 
I think they've been pulled out of trouble a couple of times and against a better team than Huddersfield I think they might have, they would have lost at the weekend mm-hmm. um, we've talked about Brighton Palace uh, no we haven't Brighton play Crystal Palace uh, midweek result draw <sighs> Brighton at home if Murray starts oh if Zah I just each. feel like both teams won't really go for it. Yeah. I don't know why. I've just got that feeling. It's a game that none of them, will, neither of them, will want to lose. Yeah, I'm going to go one each. Uh, and Bournemouth play Huddersfield. Result um, at home. Yeah, Bournemouth at home. Bournemouth win. It's a long trip that for Huddersfield. Long Midweek trip. as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for. I think uh, they'll break their their losing streak, Bournemouth, and I'm going to go for two nil. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, I'll yeah. agree with that. Um, all right then, on to Sunday. Now, it was Derby Day on Sunday. Uh, Chelsea versus Fulham was the first one. It finished 2-0 to Chelsea. Uh, Pedro strike for Chelsea was their thousandth home, get, uh, home Premier League goal, becoming just the third club to reach its landmark in the competition. After who? For Chelsea or no, in general? No, uh, t- team, team. So it's Chelsea's thousandth home goal. Mm. Who else is? Which Arsenal. other teams? Yep, one thousand and twenty-nine. How many? How many have we got to get? Just one more. United. Yeah, one thousand and seventy-nine. Chelsea made it look easy. It also helps that Fulham have only got one point away from home all season. Yeah, um, Fulham back to their usual sort of um, horrendous self, really. Um, I, I thought they look a, they I thought they already look a lot more defensively organised though. Yeah, um Christie at right back. He he is a donkey. And that is not <laughs> meant as a offensive slur or whatever because didn't someone get in trouble for saying something about him recently? No, we'll no so, get on some, to someone else, ca- yeah. someone called him shite and he wasn't very happy with it. But oh really? I don't yeah. think he listens to this podcast, Josh. Well, that but he just passed it aimlessly. So it didn't lead ridiculous. to a goal, but he's passed it into space. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, just woeful. Interestingly, Pedro's goal. Did you know that was his 150th game for Chelsea? Bloody hell. Yeah, I know. I was like... How long has he been there for? Yeah. Well, I suppose they have made it quite far in Europa League's Champions three, League. Three or four years, basically. Bloody hell. Um his goal if you notice the press came from Kante being in the defensive midfield well I was going to talk about that because uh, I thought Kante was brilliant it was hilarious Ian Wright doing the uh, analysis on it and he's like uh, Kante and Jorginho have gotten swapped over and Jorginho like turns around and points into the space at Kante and Ian Wright just went Kante knows yeah Kante Kante knows he does not need Um, Loftus-Cheek scored again Yes. How much of uh, how much of a push is he making to be that third central midfielder? Because Kante and Jorginho aren't going anywhere. Well, he's scoring, isn't he? Yeah, he's scoring. I think he scored in the Euro again. This last was, week this as well, was something they were were chatting about. Maybe maybe uh, Sarri has said to Loftus Cheek, "Look, I've got Kovacic on loan this season because I'm going to give you that ch- chance to bed in, and then next season you, you're yeah. you and Barkley are the guys." Um, I think Loftus Cheek is that third England central midfielder at the moment. 
Okay. He's, he's got that he's got that dribbling ability as well. Yeah. You see it less because obviously he plays less, but, but in the Europa League I watched them against Pauk, I think it was last week. And then the there was a game a couple of weeks before where he scored a hat trick. Uh obviously they're playing like lesser teams in those games, but England play lesser teams, so it's all right. Um I think that he is just on the ball is just he's an absolute specimen of a human isn't he yeah he's massive he's younger than us he's 22 I know I was like he'd deck ah! you <laughs> he'd deck you that's up there with Gary Neville um, um, just on a little tangent there are some ridiculous abbreviations of teams Pauk yeah uh, and then who's the other one I heard last week oh Ike Athens it, uh, for me it's always been A-E-K Athens yeah. that just rolls off the tongue <laughs> so much better Ike Athens you you get worried about things that don't really matter that much yeah I know like squad numbers <laughs> yeah I was going to say something then but then I might have offended people so I'm not, I'm not going to um, maybe I've just got a a thing we've spoken about this before um, Giroud versus Morata I think Giroud got his first uh, goals for Chelsea f- uh, in the Europa League last week for a while uh, oh no he scored the weekend before last it was his weekend, first start in the Prem for two months or something yeah. which I find baffling um, I'd say, I think it was on Football Bible they said there's now a new word in the English dictionary and it's uh I'm maratted. It's like it's the example they gave. It's when you're like, it's when you're in a club and you're like, basically pulled this bird, but then you muck it up, and it's yeah. like, ah, oh, I'm maratted this weekend. Um, I like that. Yeah, use that. I'm gonna start um, using it. Wolves go up against Chelsea uh, at Molyneux midweek. Chelsea win. Uh, I thought about this for my uh, tiny tip, but yeah, Chelsea one nil. One nil. Uh, and Fulham play Leicester. Ooh, that Ooh, game's yeah. that game's got goals written on it. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go for three two Leicester. It's at Craven Cottage. I'm gonna go three two Leicester. Three two, that'll be a good one for the tiny tip. Uh, I'm gonna go for constipated over there. <laughs> Leicester win that was not a pleasant noise I'm going to go and find that and record that noise and uh, it's already been recorded mate yeah uh, I'm going to go for Leicester 2-0 alright on to arguably the best game that we've seen this weekend it was Arsenal versus Spurs it finished 4-2 to Arsenal Spurs have just won uh, have won just one of their last 26 away Premier League games against Arsenal mm-hmm. uh, which was a 3-2 victory in November 2010 what a game yeah yeah incredible um couple of things just housekeeping things uh arsenal penalty uh yes great spot by the linesman great spot yeah 100% uh, why did vertonghen do that well they were saying that so i think it was graham Souness's tit um was like oh well sometimes when you get pushed in the back you throw your arms up in the air and I was like no he, he's clocked that if he doesn't head the ball yeah, the exactly. blood behind him's got an absolute free header yeah exactly um and then, Ars- uh, sorry, Arsenal were so on top yeah. for the first part of the game. And then suddenly, um, Spurs have a free kick. It gets piled in and Dyer goes and celebrates like a knob. Um, Keeper should have saved it as well. Thoughts on... Well, it was like they said on Match of the Day last night, it was so obvious what they were going to do. Yeah. Uh, the free kick was shit, I thought. Um, ugh. But the celebration, 
thoughts on the celebration? Um, I mean, it made him look like a total dickhead. Yeah. I also don't think Lick Steiner is the person to be lecturing someone else on like their morals. I think it was Ramsey. Was it not Ramsey? No, it was Lick Steiner that initially like oh, let in it? and was like, "What are you doing?" But like. Lick Steiner is a bit of a wind-up merchant as well, isn't he? Yeah. And then they all piled in handbags, Pochettino's running down. I mean, it was great. Do you think that I would have happened under Wenger, or do you think that Emery's instilled this sort of like passion into yeah, Arsenal? Yeah, I think he has done. And Genduzzi's like run down the touchlines, got involved. And it's like, mate, what are you doing? <laughs> great hair. Yeah. Um, then Spurs got a penalty. Yes. Mike Dean with his I feel with his Spurs shirt on there what do you think about that um, I think holding gives him no option I think it's a clumsy tackle <sighs> for me I think if there'd been more contact mm-hmm. it's a Son penalty. threw himself to the floor like yeah. he'd been shot I think we've seen them not given although yeah. I, but technically I've watched a made... few replays of this and I don't I think the touch is so minimal that if Son if Son stays on his feet, he could still probably score. Yeah, but I just think it was a bit clumsy from Rob Holding. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I think he just gave the ref no choice. Oh. Go to ground in the box at your peril. Yeah, that's true. I'd I I wouldn't I I I'd be annoyed if I was an Arsenal fan. Yeah, like that. However, eight eight in eight for Kane in North London derbies. Yeah. And you don't bet against him scoring from 12 yards, do you? Uh, no, he's... But again, how often have you seen him go in that corner? Yeah. And so why has Leno gone that way? Yeah. Has he done his research? Unless he was trying to second-guess him. Yeah. Um, so, once again, Arsenal went in at the break down. Mm-hmm. I think their record this season is like... Uh, at half-time is like lose-lose, five draws, lost... Uh, losing, draw, losing, draw, losing, something like that. Um, however, uh, Emery made two huge changes at the break. He took Awobi and Mkhitaryan off. Mkhitaryan was very, was very quiet, and Awobi missed a good couple of good chances. And he brought on Ramsey and Lacazette. How important were those changes? They changed the system slightly. Went to play in yeah. Lacazette and Aubameyang. I'll just talk back into the mic as yeah. opposed to out here um, <laughs> went to playing them up top together which I know you've been calling for yeah. for a while and what that what that enabled them to do is they would drag in the centre backs wide and it just gave Ramsey so much space this to operate this is why I think that Ramsey needs to be offered a new deal because he can play that role so well I don't think Arsenal have another player in their squad and how much are you going to have to pay to get a player that can do that attacking midfield role as well as Ramsey can I mean you're talking like maybe a hundred million for someone like Draxler who can play that role but even then Draxler's been playing on the wing the last few years so it's difficult but I thought Ramsey was excellent I thought Lacazette was excellent Mm -hmm. as well when he came on Um, another mistake from Foyt though led to the goal yeah um, but what a finish yeah again Eric Dyer backing away yeah, we saw it in the England game a couple of weeks ago and we've seen it today he's, he doesn't close the ball down yeah he's shit he's shit um, Vertonghen got a red card could have been a straight red yeah should have been, could a, straight have been a straight red although I think he saved himself because he got the ball yeah and he went got through. the ball so that's that's why it's a yellow um, I've written harsh but high mm-hmm. uh, the main thing I want to talk about 
from this game is that uh, there was a banana thrown on the pitch at Bamiyang. Yeah. Is Awful. this? Are we back in the eighties? Awful. I mean, Ian Wright said he never had that when no, he was playing. A fucking not a um, disgrace. It's man. a shame, isn't it? It's one person that's ruined it for like all the thousands of Spurs fans. And I think this Ian Wright summed it up really well last night in that the limelight is going to be on Spurs now, and that's those pictures are going to go around the world, and that has done nothing. It's done nothing. Firstly, for the Premier League, but it's done nothing for. Uh, for Spurs as a football club their, mm-hmm. their stock will drop a lot over but also that bloke has taken that banana to that game he's like he must have planned that because you don't just carry a banana around with you do you you do yeah but to eat it yeah, not to but throw it was a it banana at. skin wasn't it so he, he might have taken it for his lunch and then just chucked it on the pitch but I know what you mean it's like that thought process that he's had when he's been sat in the ground is I have a banana skin in my bag when like, uh, when Aubameyang comes over here I'm going to chuck it on the pitch it's an absolute disgrace yes. you, but can I just clarify Josh doesn't take bananas around to throw it might start though people yeah. <laughs> no because yeah. I'm not a backwards human being yeah. I hope people don't pause it after I said the first half of that quote yeah. I'm going to be plastered <laughs> on the front of newspapers I don't think you're that high profile Josh really? yeah <laughs> um you have like 400 Twitter followers or something. Yeah, I know. Um, it's shocking. <laughs> big win for Emery, though. Arguably, is his first in a big game. Yeah, and uh, again, another game where un- last season they don't come back to win. I think it's huge. Mm-hmm. I think it's huge. That's and a game got- that, yeah, he, that's what he's instilled, a winning mentality. And uh, another big game midweek, playing Man United at Old Trafford. Score? Can I come on to it later? No. Oh, I'm back in United to win this. Okay. I just think with all the injuries and suspensions, this is where Mourinho comes into his element, where okay. they've got backs to the wall. Interesting. We'll speak about it, a bit more yeah. about it. Um, Spurs play Southampton. We've talked about this. Spurs win. Spurs win. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Now, the late game on Sunday was an, the, the final derby of the weekend, obviously close to home. Uh, Liverpool versus Everton it finished 1-0 to Liverpool Uh, Liverpool have scored more 90th minute winners versus Everton than any other side versus any other side in Premier League history Mm -hmm. how interesting is that Everton had their first chance uh, had chances in the first half as did Liverpool Um, what a tackle by Joe Gomez yeah from Andre Gomez's header brilliant uh, and Mina should have scored from yeah. the header uh, Mane should he have put that one in the back of the net when he yeah, ran I think through both keepers were on really good form and Shakiri as well most, most of the game <laughs> um, and Shakiri as well I think should have scored um, ok let's talk about the goal there's a few points that I want to make the first one is the fact that the ball was I would say 10 yards further forward than it should have been. If you watch as well, it's not just one player that flicks it forward. Two separate people pick it up and flick it forward. And yeah. the ref's looking. He's looking so and he does nothing why about is it. That a la- how is that? How has the referee let that go? And nobody's talking about it, by the way. Can we just say that? Yeah. Everyone's talking about Pickford. Everyone's talking about this and that no one's talking about how far forward the ball was but has the ref gone oh there's 30 seconds left well that's the difference isn't it mm-hmm. 
Um, so that was the first thing. Was uh, was terrible. Um, the next thing is Jordan Pickford. Talk to me about Jordan Pickford's game in general, and then the goal. As a shot stopper, he's unbelievable, isn't he? Some of the saves he makes are very good. His mm-hmm. distribution is very good. Um, I feel a bit sorry for him because it's a bit of a freak incident. I feel he is a bit of a hothead. Yeah, and this is what I was going to say. Within the first 30 seconds of the game, he'd already sliced one out for a corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at some point in the match as well, he just passed the ball out of play. I he think, had no pressure on him. I just think passed it out that's of play. part and parcel of being a keeper that plays that role, isn't it? It's, it's going to happen at some point. How often do you see players pass the ball straight out for a throw in? Actually, I, more often. The thing than I don't think. understand is, and this is like to be a good shot stopper, your positioning has to be very good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because there was a couple of times in the game where he actually judged the ball really well a couple of shots where he just let it go because it was mm-hmm. going out however he got it so wrong on this he he, fl- he actually flicked the ball back into play yeah. off the bar if he he could have punched it he could he's, he's, there's a quote actually he's like if in doubt just like punch it he doesn't he just like fingertips it he could, he the could bar. have punched it from there because it is like I think his overriding feeling will have been I don't want to concede a corner here and it's too close you wouldn't like someone said uh, something I was listening to they were like oh if he just leaves it it bounces off the top of the bar and goes out but that's a bit close to be leaving but Um, I would be trying to hit it backwards because if if he's trying to hit it backwards and he knows he's close to the goal I think he's trying to catch it He's, he's got, he's got, he's so got both hands up here, but I then w- if the crossbar's not there, it's a catch. I must have watched. I must have watched it twenty times, and I still Difficult. don't know what he's doing. I was getting a bit wound up with a lot of Liverpool fans that are on my social media feed, like sharing this particular article where Pickford had said that, like, oh, he'd never do something like Allison did. Yeah, yeah. And for me, those two errors are incomparable. They're, so yeah. They're incomparable. I mean, I did call Allison a clown and a waste of money on a group chat that involved a lot of Liverpool fans. <laughs> Um, you know he's got the most clean sheets this season he's on record to yeah but he's the only keeper to try and skill past a defender yeah. and balls it up I think um, mainly it's down to the defence that he's got I think, I think I said something like uh, Kepa Aritha Balaga is worth about five times as much as <laughs> Alisson which may be a slight exaggeration um, you're on record now yeah I know <laughs> um, so Liverpool I, uh, oh last last thing I want to talk about with the goal was Jurgen Klopp that's Mourinho he gets absolutely slammed for yeah. that he did apologise straight away and it's good you want to see passion like that you I want found to see it funny that he came out during the week after the PSG game and said that PSG over celebrated yeah like for me if I'm looking at that I think not only is it disrespectful that he ran on the pitch and celebrated like that like we said a few weeks ago when the that when that uh, Chelsea physio or whatever it was ran in f- obviously ran in front of the dugout but I think that it's as bad mm-hmm. Klopp doing that I think he should get at least a fine mm-hmm. and possibly a touchline ban yeah there's a reason that you have your box there I get it if you're like a yard outside your box whatever but he's he's on the pitch so 
I think it's just I think it just showed a complete lack of respect for Everton and I mean, the way the that Everton the game. played it's the end of the game but the ref could have sent him to the stand yeah. just for the last minute yeah to prove a point um, like you say if that's Mourinho because it's Klopp it's passion but if it's Mourinho it's uh, arrogance it's, it's arrogance and yeah. disrespect and it's um, I think there's double standards a lot of the time in the mm-hmm. Premier League and uh because because Klopp is a likeable guy I think it's uh, when he does something like that he gets away with it I didn't realise Divock Origi was still at Liverpool I just assumed he was yeah, out on loan he missed somewhere. a good chance though didn't he yeah he scored in a Merseyside derby previously as well two. so may, maybe a little maybe, yeah. maybe Klopp knew that I like uh, I think Origi given the chance will will score goals for Liverpool he's, yeah, yeah. he's arguably that option that they need mm-hmm. um, we've spoken about like Firmino hasn't been at the races this season I would say probably Liverpool haven't really been at the races even though they're uh, for me when he plays the four in the attacking roles I can't work out why Shakiri isn't given the free role and Salah stay because I'd argue Salah is better out on the right than Shakiri is. Yeah, he's like an inside and forward, isn't he? L- Salah is less good up top, so I can't work that out. But then is Firmino played in the ten role? So because he, he then sort of occupies the same space. Yeah, tricky because they don't they don't have that number ten that can also slot into the midfield three. No, that's um, hard. I've got a. Nice little stat for you. Cool. It's a uh, Trent Alexander Arnold was the only scouser in two starting lineups. Yeah, and one of only, and was only three. three. Yeah, and I, I, I assume was it was Tom Davis, Tom and Davis, Calvert Lewin. Yeah. Um, Burnley play Liverpool. Liverpool win at Turf Moor. You know what? This would be my tip. I'm going to go for a Burnley win, one nil. Cray. Uh, and Everton play Newcastle at Goodison I wish I could go but mm, I'm going to have to go for Everton there I think uh, I'm going to go for a draw I think there'll be a reaction from uh, Newcastle okay. we're not very necessarily uh, Everton Newcastle is a fairly boring game generally and it's normally settled by one goal or it's a draw mm-hmm. so I'm going to go for ones each alright it's drop down to the championship yeah Bolton fail to win again they're down to 23rd yeah what so it was 1-1 against Wigan 1-1 they didn't know I've written one line here go on we create but as usual shit at the back <laughs> and what that is, sums us up what is the plan the plan is to not go out of business okay so that is the that's my plan that's your plan exist yeah um, we, we create chances if you, most of the highlights reel is chances for us yeah and then it's just moments of madness silly tackle to give away the penalty we were leading again sad yeah do you think you'll turn it around who do you play next don't know don't care basically I <laughs> check I check, I check as a cursory thing maybe that's why I'm so fanatical about England at the moment well it's always the uh, the smaller clubs that, uh, you, you play uh, Norwich on Saturday yeah we're not going to win that are we no bye <laughs> um, I don't think you'll go bottom yeah Norwich are top of the league um, you're not going to go bottom because Ipswich are 
dead at the bottom. Yeah, it's uh, always you're been like a- joint twenty first if you want to look at it from a more positive. Oh, point good. Of view. Uh, so, I'll but our goal difference is horrendous, isn't it? Uh, I haven't got your goal difference up here. Uh, your goals, yeah, it's like minus thirteen. Yeah, yeah. You've you've only scored thirteen goals this season. Need some. That's wins. been your downfall. Everyone finishing else chances. League, everyone else in the league has scored. Well, even Ipswich, who are bottom, have scored seventeen. Yeah, it's been our it's been our Achilles heel. Yeah, definitely. Thirteen goals in twenty games. Mm-hmm. Um, all right then. So, so most of the Ballon d'Or uh, is uh, going to be announced over the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is going to win it? It's like Griezmann, Modric, Mbappe, Messi, and Ronaldo. I think are the front runners. Who do you okay? Who do you think will win it first, and then who do you want to win it? Because it's two separate I think questions. Messi or Ronaldo will win it, yeah. Because that's just a thing, isn't it? But it would be nice to see Modric get it. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think that Ronaldo will win it because he mm-hmm. won the Champions League. But personally, I think Messi should win it. I thought he was mm-hmm. awesome last season. Uh, scoring, still scoring, still not on this downward curve or whatever he said um, yeah but it's a Modric, very shallow curve yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Modric need I think Modric is is well in the running though for the yeah. first time I would say maybe for the first time in like the last 10 years we're going to get someone who's mm-hmm. actually pushing those two yeah for that um, next up England 2020 qualifying group was announced this week I think uh, we could play our under 17 team and get through that group yeah Bulgaria Czech Republic Montenegro and Kosovo it, I think it'll be interesting to see um, how the new system works against teams that aren't going to try and win the game yeah I think against Kosovo we should be playing the formation of 10 10 and that is up front yeah <laughs> Um. I would arguably play... Well, I would play the four at the back, but I'd be playing two at the back, really. Yeah, two at the back. Well, with Stones and Maguire or Gomez, two of those three, you you can you can afford to do that, and they can just dictate play from the back. Full-backs bomb on. Yeah. One sitting midfielder, and then two attacking central midfield players. Both, um, both the draw for the Nations League and the FA Cup third rounder today as well. So we'll be talking about that on Thursday when we've got a guest on. How Ooh. exciting! Ooh. Did you see? Um, did you watch the draw or not? No. So Germany and Holland were the first two names out in Group Group C, I think it is. But you can't have more than two teams that are that have a host city yeah. in the same group. So Republic of Ireland got drawn out, and yeah. all cuts to like Mick McCarthy, and he's like, oh. Yeah. But then, like the computer screen flashed up, and they got moved into the next group. And then the next team out of the hat were Northern Ireland, and there was just a big, massive way. Yeah. Northern <laughs> Ireland, Netherlands, Germany, Estonia, and Belarus in that group. Yeah, Northern Ireland don't have a chance, do they? No. I tell you what, though, Denmark, Georgia, Republic of Ireland, Switzerland, and Gibraltar. Ireland have a chance in that group. Yeah, if they can get a goal scorer. Yeah, but Denmark and Switzerland are dangerous teams to write off. Wales also have a chance. Uh, Azerbaijan, Croatia, Hungary, Slovakia, Wales. It's the top two that go through as well. Yeah, so Um, I reckon Croatia and Wales. Scotland as well. I think the the pot two team was Russia, who were a bit uh, hot and cold. I'm trying to find Scotland. Yeah, uh, no, Belgium, Russia, Cyprus, Kazakhstan, San Marino and Scotland. Um, 
France will go through their groups easy. Um, the top two from every group goes Group through. G is wide open. Austri- Austria, Israel, Latvia, Macedonia, Poland, Slovenia. Wide open mm-hmm. for me. Um, it's going uh, to be interesting, I think. We're going to might see some teams that are not necessarily in... Mm-hmm. Uh, Normally in the running, getting, yeah. getting through this time. Uh, right, so over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing our respected team's best Premier League eleven, And today, we finish it off with uh, our strikers and manager. I don't think I told you that, but no, do manager as well. I can decide my manager. Uh, if it's Sam Aldice, I might cry. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Uh, Alright, so Josh, go first with your Bolton front three. Okay, yeah, so I decided to call it a front three rather than a front one and announced five players last week. (laughs) Uh, But on the right, I've gone for possibly the best name to ever play for our football club. Okay. And that is Stelios Janakopoulos. Yeah. Brilliant name. (laughs) Uh, Played for Bolton between 2003 and 2008. 137 appearances, 20 goals. Uh, Liverpool tried to sign him when he was playing for us uh, was in the team when we got to the 2004 League Cup final and got our highest ever Premier League finish which I think is 6th impressive uh, and he also won Euro 2004 with Greece did, while, yeah. I'm in, while at Bolton uh, and then on the left I've gone for Yuri Jorkaev yeah uh, World Cup and European Championships winner of France pre-arriving at Bolton but he just added that little bit of class yeah, yeah. like Arguably even more than JJ Kocher added, like very <laughs> cultured footballer. Yeah, yeah. Um, seventy-five appearances over over two seasons, twenty goals. Great player, absolute absolute hero of mine. Played yeah, for yeah. Bolton, and then centre forward. There was only ever really one option. Kevin Davies. I've gone for Kevin Davies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Three hundred and fifty-one appearances. Uh, 74 goals I believe he's committed the most fouls in Premier League history is he the <laughs> that's a he, great start he broke the, he, re- the he set the record with 120 in a whole season and then commit and then broke the record the next season <laughs> <laughs> is he uh, the most cut Bolton player in the Premier League um, no Jaskalainen Jaskalainen um, and your manager I've oh, no, finished on. on Kevin Davis. Sorry, uh, he once committed in the first half of a match eighteen fouls without <laughs> without getting a yellow card, <laughs> which Ridiculous. I think is impressive. Yeah, uh, but he's in, he's my, in your best eleven just for that. My start. favorite memory is he scored against Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena in the <laughs> UEFA Cup to nab us a 2-2 draw <laughs> and I cannot think of someone being more out of place on a football pitch <laughs> than Kevin Davis against Bayern wow. Munich um, I love it and I'm going to make him my captain as well ok uh, and then for my manager I've got to go for Big Sam we came 6th in the Premier League we were unbeaten in Europe at home playing teams I think he'd like, found his he'd found his yeah, club in Bolton it was he? it was the it was a match made in heaven why did he leave? Uh, got offered more money by Newcastle. Okay, and that brings us Thank nicely you. on to... Thank you <laughs> for ruining him. Yay. Um, all right, so obviously I've gone 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got two players to, to tell you about. The first one... <clears throat> well, the first one speaks for itself. My captain, my Craig hero... Craig um, Papa Cissé. No. Um, Alan Shearer. Uh, 
greatest Newcastle striker of all time. I think he might greatest. have more career goals than my whole team combined. Greatest Premier League striker of all time, in my opinion. Record transfer at the time as well. 206 goals for Newcastle. Captain, leader, legend for both club and country. Mm-hmm. And Premier League top goal, top goal scorer. I uh, don't, don't have to say anything else. I heard on that Peter Crouch podcast this week that... When Shearer was signed to Newcastle, Les Ferdinand was number nine. Yeah. But then Shearer was given nine, I think Ferdinand was given ten. And yeah. they text Shearer during the show oh, really? to say like why it had happened. And he was just like, um, oh, well, to be fair, Newcastle hadn't had a great number nine in years. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, they never really got to the bottom of it. But I love it. He's just a legend. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say anything else. I grew up watching him just tear defences apart even when he was in his 30s he was probably one of the best strikers in the league still yeah yeah absolutely unbelievable and a great captain like he was obviously like the season that Kinnear left and he came in and was was managing the team I would have loved him to have stayed Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he would be a great manager because he's a great he was a great captain something that I'm sad about is I never got to see him play in an England shirt yeah, in a game that I can remember watching. Yeah, he retired early, didn't he? Yeah, national. But he, but he had his club knee career, problems. Yeah. yeah, had knee problems. Um, and the the second striker now, this has been really hard because there's so many great. Shola Amiobi would literally make some sort of cut because of he's a like played for the club for so long. Um, Andy Cole, players like that. But I've gone for Les Ferdinand. Uh, tall, strong, powerful, composed on the ball. He was like an all-round mm-hmm. centre-forward, really. Scored 50 goals in 83 games for Newcastle and uh, big goals at that. Decent, yeah. Him and, uh, him and Shearer up top were just unstoppable. And I think he was the striker in the season we, ca- we should have won the league, 95-96. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we sold him to Spurs. But what a player! What a player! Um, yeah, and my manager uh, is going to be Bobby Robson. I was surprised um, Kabai didn't make your team, by the way. Yeah, uh, who's he getting ahead of? Yeah, I suppose. Who's he getting ahead of? He would arguably say he's, he would replace Speed, but nah, never. Your my brother was very complimentary of your Bolton midfield, by the way. Really? Yeah. Nolan Speed and Nakacha. Yeah. Great. Absolute legends. Not much pace in there, no, though. No, no. You don't need it when you've got speed yeah. there, though. Uh, his name was Pace. Um, yeah, so Bobby Robson, uh, I think we had third, fourth, fifth finishes under him. A uh, bit of a sad end into his career, but I was at his testimonial a couple of weeks before he died, and like, it was just like the love for him in the Northeast is, is mm-hmm. huge, and arguably, like, a, a good England manager. He was. Yeah, I've watched a programme about this. Pre-World Cup 1990, like, he was not very popular. No. We didn't actually do that well under him, and it had been announced that he was going after the World Cup, and then we got to the semis. Yeah, so. he was a, probably one of the best England managers we've had in recent mm-hmm. history. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what a, what a team. I wish we had that team now. I bet you do as well. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Um, even Ricardo Gardner. Yeah. 
Hey, I'd take Shul Ramiobi now. Um, all right, so last week we asked for uh, your worst miss, like the worst miss that you think in Premier League history. After looking into this question, uh, I found so many horrendous misses. Um, I got sent some great mm-hmm. ones. One of them, I've done a top three. Okay, um, I've just done a top one because all my other ones were covered by people that wrote, wrote in. Go on, so who, tell me about so people So I've that wrote gone in. for... Oh, Tell I'll me about people that wrote in. People that wrote in. I know John, Johnny sent me uh, the Ronaldo one. Yeah. Um, the Ronaldo miss and uh, another miss, which I'm going to talk about. It's on, on the thin, Thinstagram. On the Thinstagram. People that had commented People on said there. Richie was, was, was their number one. Um, was that Mike that said that, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we got... Yeah... Well, it's the most recent one. Uh, Johnny's put there's a few really bad ones in world football. Ronaldo versus Sheffield United, Carnu versus Middlesbrough, where he's how he's missed that. That's made my top three. Uh, Ronnie Rosenthal, yeah, when he's rounded one. the keeper and hit the bar. Torres, that they were all up there for me. Um, there are so many, aren't there? Yeah, so many. Uh, I've gone for. Three, uh, two Premier League ones and one international mm-hmm. one. The, f- the first one is there, Canu for West Brom versus Middlesbrough. He's basically underneath the bar. Yeah, <laughs> and he, and he scooped it, it over. It's, it's just the look on his face as he gets up, like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The next one was uh, Freddie Lungberg for Arsenal against Bolton. That's my top one. Is that your top how, one? Yeah. How was he missed? How was it? He's literally got an open goal it's in been the middle past of the goal. P- Pires as passed it round Jaskalainen and yeah it's, it's incredible and my third one is a more recent one uh, Chris Iwalumo for Scotland against Norway okay I don't know if you've seen that no. one no is it abysmal it's horrendous it's horrendous he will never forget that I think it was like three or four years ago now but I saw one I was watching terrible. a compilation of them last night and there was a new Shearer put the ball in it was a Newcastle player headed it against the bar from about a yard <laughs> out <laughs> yeah that wouldn't surprise me probably Zamiobi on it mm, um, maybe they looked a bit skinny to be Amiobi I'm not saying he's not skinny yeah. but he's quite well built yeah. uh, he's not fat even but he's just quite well built so this week's question is going to run between so we're not going to do it on Thursday we're going to do it next week so we're okay. going to have a new, new podcast out on Thursday for the midweek games and then we're going to do it, ne- is it after my next question? week is it's it your yours? question well, I've got one go on then I want to know what is the biggest rivalry in football after we've had Derby Sunday biggest rivalry in football biggest rivalry in football in world football in world football that's a good question this, this was a question that was being debated yesterday what is the Derby in the Premier League is it the Merseyside Derby is it the North London Derby and for me I was thinking about this and for me the biggest rivalry between two teams I think taking all historical factors into account is Liverpool Man United Interesting, yeah. Because you've got the powerhouse of the 70s and 80s against the 90s and noughties. Whether that's the biggest like geographical derby, don't know, but the biggest footballing rivalry in England for me is those two. Okay. In terms of like hatred for each other, because I don't feel like Liverpool and Everton. They don't hate each other. Hate each other. I mean, I mean, there's probably a lot of people that would disagree with that. But they don't. They don't. Uh, We we see 
every day Liverpool and Everton fans living in perfect harmony. Yeah, whereas they hate each other. I don't see personally don't when I go home and I see Newcastle Sunderland fans together. There's mm-hmm. not much harmony there. I have to Millwall and West Ham fans, they yeah. hate each other. Yeah. They kill each other. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good question. So for next week, for not Thursday, but for next week, the biggest rivalry in world football. Interesting. Silicon Rangers will be up there. Oh, yeah, I hadn't even thought of those. Um Alright, so final thing for Bolton this week. Blackburn. <laughs> Bolton Burnley. Bolton Wigan. <laughs> Bolton and the tax man yeah <laughs> that is the biggest yeah. rivalry at the moment um, so final thing JB's tiny tip could I have the odds please for United to beat Arsenal United I know it's a bit beige Arsenal. but just got a feeling uh, I've decided do I've you got... not want any of the any of the uh, things from the Azerbaijani first division no funnily enough <laughs> I clicked on in play matches and they're playing right now apparently so what's this for sorry United to beat Arsenal. United to beat Arsenal. That's on Wednesday, uh, and it's they're thirteen to ten to win. Oh, that's terrible odds. Yep. What did you say? Burnley to beat Liverpool. Burnley to beat Liverpool. Eleven to one. Burnley. Should we go for that? Yeah. I I put a little bet on while I was waiting in the car for you this morning on no teams to draw each other in uh, no Premier League teams to draw each other in the FA Cup third round 75 to 1 that was nice I won't come in but my, it does, uh, my mate yesterday won about 40 quid because he put a bet on I think it was 40 quid I might have just done him a horrendous disservice and claim he's got money that he doesn't have it's for Deli Alley to get booked it was oh, really? like 40 to 1 yeah, put... yeah so that's in Burnley to beat Liverpool I mean, you haven't done very well recently. No, but all of the things, right? So I bet on Southampton to beat United. They were 2-0 up. Yeah. Newcastle the week before were winning until about... No, it wasn't Newcastle the week before. All of them have, like, in that yeah. part of the game, they've been happening. Like, Bolton to win, we were winning until, like, the 85th minute and then conceded. So I'm not far away. <laughs> not far away. Any more business to attend to this week? Uh, don't think so so on Thursday we're going to have another podcast uh, Jorginho is going to be on with us how exciting uh, Joey Pollard and uh, that'll be out on Thursday late Thursday early Friday depending on cool. how I get on with my life um, but yes thank you very much Josh not a problem and uh, we'll see you on Thursday we will do bye bye